Okay, let's see. Uh, I carry the three, and then, then I add, uh, hmm, hmm. okay, uh, the hot dogs. Uh, we, we could take that out, and then uh, let's see. Well, we, we cut a lot of staff, but... Hey, 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 Jimmy, what you doing, man? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to tabulate all this stuff. Now, give, give me a moment, Tommy. Let's see, you you, you carry the three, and then uh, mm, you, you, you got your hot dog and your ticket budget. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and then, then you, uh, mm, then you subtract uh, the Astros' $5 million penalty, and you get, oh. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think Mr. Manfred's going to like those numbers. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpet, your host, and with me is none other than my co-host, Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good, Mark. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, buddy, which is more than I can say for the state of Major League Baseball. You know, they've had a real tough year this year. I mean, 2020 was not kind. Yeah, they've had a bit of a rough time, and baseball as a whole, not just our boy Rob Manfred, even though he's winning all those awards, it's pretty much everybody. Nobody's safe. <laughs> yeah, Rob won a few of those goofy gobblers. So we'll see how what else happens with this. It's It's been interesting. Today, you know, I, I, some of the things we talked about covering, of course, is what's happening as far as revenue and finance and viability of a lot of teams for Major League Baseball in 2021, what happened in 2020. And another thing, you know, you and I were kind of bantering back and forth, of course, looking at Rule 5, which is kind of an interesting uh, thing. It's deadlines coming up on this week, and we'll give people kind of a, a quick insert about that. Exciting part, two we're going to talk about is the hot stove. A lot of activity going on now. And got a few comments about some of the teams. And as things are breaking, Brandon, please go ahead and share. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you. Oh, but brother, I mean, it, it was a hard year. I mean. You know, like I said, everybody's trying to deal with COVID-19 and, you know, we, we want to get out there. We want to watch the games, want to be involved with it, but it, it just, it, we, we couldn't. I mean, what, what what can you do? Many of the teams suffered. I mean, minor league baseball was shut down completely. Players had to work for a fraction of their salaries. No stands equals what? No gate receipts and no food vendors. I mean, yeah, everybody was hit hard. I mean, even, you know, ushers, they couldn't go to work at the, at games. And, you know, we'd look at it and, like, think, oh, like the Rays, for example, they they'd have they might have to get rid of a few guys this year, and we could really chalk it up to them being cheap. But also because of the pandemic, they have to get rid of guys, and that might even be hitting the the bigger market teams as well, as we'll talk about later. Yeah, I definitely want to hear a little about that. I know you did some research there because it is. It's impacting everybody. It's even impacting the big teams. But before we dig into all that, I'd like to take a look at how things were before 2020. How much do you think that Major League Baseball grossed in 2019, Brandon? Um, let's see. I know people are saying they've like they've had a hard time, you know, views are down. And no, no, no. Of- two, 2019. Hmm. Not 2020. Year, a year without COVID. I will go with around $7 billion. Yeah, that, would, that would seem logical, and that's what I would have thought. I would have thought 7 or 8 But I'm looking at a Forbes report from 2019 said they grossed $10.7 billion. 
a lot more than I thought. Yeah, and that's that's actually an increase of three point seven percent from the previous year in two thousand eighteen. You know, and three point seven percent increase is like four hundred million. You know, oh gosh, that's what heck, heck, man, that's almost uh, <laughs> that's almost the amount that Mike Trout had for his twelve year agreement of what <laughs> it was actually <laughs> a little more. Actually, he had a four hundred twenty six point five million, Mister Trout. Wow, but that's twelve years, and the Angels love him, and he loves them back for that much. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd love anybody there paying me that much. Well, and we, if we look back to say, well, where does MLB get all that money from? You know, part of that's coming from the gear that they sell. Part, a big part of it's from the seats and the, the tickets, all of that. Um, but broadcast dollars. I'm looking at back here. Let's see, Brandon. In 2018, MLB announced a broadcast agreement with Fox Sports for seven years, and that was going to was going to be worth 5.1 billion. And let's see. Oh, then uh, not only that, but MLB has an agreement with three networks, Fox being one of them, but also ESPN and Turner Sports. And in 2019, they grossed roughly $1.5 billion. So that's that's a nice little chunk of change. Yeah, that's that's, that's not half bad. No, I'll, I'll take half anytime. <laughs> so, but so those are some of the pieces of of what what happened with Brandon. I mean, looking in the in the past with MLB. So, twenty twenty, what what are we looking at? I mean, no butts in the seats, no hot dogs, staffs being cut. What 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 does happen? I mean, if we look at a microcosm, and we say, well, we have our the World Series winners, the Dodgers, and then in November. We hear some news from a release they put out. Man, you talk about disheartening. It's like, let's see what it says. Since March, we have worked to minimize the impact on our employees. The ongoing economic crisis, however, forces us to make difficult personnel decisions throughout the organization going forward for the 2021 season. So this is a heartbreaking decision. This year, more than ever, we are truly grateful for the role each member of our Dodgers family plays in our success. Unquote. It goes on to say more and more, but you get the feel for it that even somebody who just won the World Series and should have a few more coffers in the bank than the rest of us still is feeling the pinch where they're actually cutting some people out. Yeah, and not only do they get all the extra bonus money from making it that far in the playoffs, they're also one of the biggest brands in baseball, even sports, and they're still having to cut people. It's... You know, it's it's the nature of the beast this time around. I mean, uh, you could be critical of the Dodgers if you want, and I certainly understand that people are because of this happening. You know, they they, they normally get their the players get some uh, postseason revenue shares too. Anybody gets in the postseason, and of course it graduates as you go up further and further into the postseason. Of course, the winner of the World Series gets the largest share. However, those shares are based on broadcast, but also on gate receipts. So the World Series winners this year, I'm sure, took home a lot less than the Nationals did in the previous year. And going to the Gates things, because MLB teams, they don't open their books, we can't really know like what their finances are exactly. I mean, we know that ticket revenue isn't as big as it used to be. I looked it up. I couldn't find an exact number. I saw maybe around 30% of their total revenue comes from gates. Yeah. And 
if you take 30% away from any business, that's going to hurt them. But if you go a year without no ticket revenue and your big revenue in TV, that gets cut down almost to, to a third. That's going to be a lot of money. Indeed it was and is. I, I Like you, I know that they are privately held, then therefore we really don't get to see. They're not going to open up the books. Barry Bloom sat down with Rob Manfred earlier, uh, I think this past month, and Manfred shared some of his pain. He said, looking across, you know, 30 teams in the league, in 2020 they have amassed a collective of $8.3 billion in debt. Ouch. And they're going to post anywhere from two point eight to three billion in combined operational losses across those thirty teams. That's a lot of money in just one year. Yeah, man. I mean, I I don't even know where, where to begin. I, it's, I mean, but it's representative of what's happening out there for for everyone. And uh, it's MLB, I'm not surprised. So I, I wouldn't question any of those another any of those numbers he has, but. It's it's impacting a lot of folks, you know. I mean, and actually we talked about a microcosm of the Dodgers, but there's a lot of a lot of other ones there as well. I know you did some research on the on the Phillies and Yankees. What were you able to discover about discover about that? Well, looking at the Phillies, they had this really big story come out over the weekend that they're losing a bunch of money. It originally came out that they lost two billion dollars, but that was quickly found out to be not true, and it looks like it's more around roughly 150 million that range. Right. And that's not only affecting off off the field letting people go but also on the field. And of course and according to Buster Olney of ESPN, he wrote an article and he said according to high-ranking executives from other teams, the Phillies are saying to other teams that they're facing tough financial decisions and are open to offers for Zach Wheeler, their second most expensive player. Ow. Now, of course, their managing general partner, and I believe he's also their majority shareholder, John Middleton, he was asked about that and over the phone, and he angrily denied it, and he said, quote, if they offered me Babe Ruth, I wouldn't trade him. And he added Ted Williams and Mike Schmidt just to go <laughs> as... <laughs> And he said, he also added, I have authorized no one to have a conversation about trading him. But technically, technically there is a loophole there. You can't trade for Babe Ruth. You couldn't trade for him anyways because, you know, he's kind of dead. But a little bit of a loophole there. (laughs) And it's probably not a good idea to put out there you're facing tough financial decisions because you're not going to get much back. And... Wheeler, he's one year into a five-year, $118 million deal that he signed last winter. And he's only 30. He pitched pretty well. He had a 292 ERA and 11 starts. And Middleton, he indicated Sunday that they're likely to lose in excess of $100 million. And that's looking like it's about $150. let us see. Okay, Going, did these guys hire the uh, the Jim Crane PR organization when they're putting I, this information out? I believe so. It seems like MLB has the same PR firm for every team. So the one hundred eighteen million. I mean, all right, you're, you're telling me first it's a billion dollars, okay? Two billion. 
Two, two billion? Oh, two billion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two billion. So if you looked at the, the entire MLB revenue for a couple of years ago, we're talking 10 billion. So and anyway, obviously there's something wrong with the math there. And then they're laying people off and they throw back these numbers going back and forth. Lose a lot of credibility there. So so what are some of the other ones they're saying? What, Willer's on, he was saying he was on a one-year, $118 million, oh, excuse me, uh, Dilly signed. And uh, Wheeler, he was in, he, he just wrapped up his first year of his five-year $118 million deal. And going back to employees being laid off, they laid off front off office personnel where they let go of around 80 employees. Right. And they had to do an injection of $100 million of capital into their operations to strengthen their financial position. Woof. And they even had the, they demoted general manager Matt Klintak, I believe that's how you say it, the first few days of October. So they have no GM while this all is going on. According to Philadelphia Inquirer, he's staying with the organization in an undecided role. They removed him after five non-winning seasons and no postseason appearances. Even with record-setting payroll, which last year was projected to be just under $204 million and 188 in 2019, according to SpotRack.com, and the expanded playoffs. So with all that, they couldn't make the playoffs. Only also added that their new GM could be tasked with making unpopular moves like like Heim Bloom did in Boston with Mookie Betts. And... The Phillies putting Wheeler on the market, even though he hasn't been around very long, it'll be seen by the fan base as a sign that the team is in a retreat at a time when others in the division are surging. I'll add some of the teams in the division, look at them and what the Phillies are doing. I can see why Philly fans would be really upset about their team right now. I think you make a good point when you're talking about Heim Bloom and only saying that because there's, there's no doubt that Boston had a rough, rough year. Bloom came in, no Alex Cora. And by the way, what the heck, I'm going to go ahead and move Mookie out to uh, L.A. The word rebuilding comes to mind. I hate that word, but do you think Philadelphia's taking on that mindset with what they're going to do, or is it just saying, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Because I'm broke. I don't have any money. You know, I gave it all to Bryce Harper. (laughs) I don't have any money for El Muto or anybody else. It looks like they're going to be like, forced to do a rebuild i mean they have all this money tied up in the harper they're probably not gonna be able to afford real muto they're probably gonna have to let wheeler go and from everything i've seen their minor league system isn't very good so they have nobody really to bring up so you gotta hope that maybe if you trade wheeler or harper even that you can get really good prospects back and hopefully rebuild that farm system back up over the next few years well yeah and i mean it's it's winter meetings week so a lot of dollars, a lot of players, a lot of everything's going to be going on this week. So I'm really curious to see how this evolves. And let's see, you also, did you have something to share with us about the, the Yankees? Yeah, I can stick with the East for a minute. The Braves, they were one win away from a World Series last year. Of course, they won the division. And last year, they had a payroll of about $157.7 million, And they added more, signing Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton which added roughly about $26 million. The Mets, they brought in a new owner. Their payroll for next year is projected to be $153.5 million. And, of course, Cohen came in, and he wants to build a contender right away, and they're linked to a bunch of big-name 
free agents this offseason, and I possibly may have breaking news on them coming up here in a few minutes. If you're a Mets fan, stay tuned for that. Okay. And even the Marlins, they made it to the playoffs last year when, honestly, people in the beginning of the year when they were going through the COVID thing were basically saying, oh, it's the Marlins, they just leave them behind. And even they look like they could be headed in the right direction. So it looks like it's going to be tough times over the next few years for Philly fans. Well, yeah, it is. I'm, uh, you know, they don't have somebody like Cohen coming in with who's a bankroll of money ready to go ahead and spend more elsewhere. So I don't know how that's going to work out for those folks. It's been a, a difficult time, but and it's, it's it's easy to point the finger at people like Bryce Harper, but he's just part of a plan that, like any business, you're going to say, what am I going to do? Nobody plans for COVID-19, so I get that. But with some of the other things they're doing, with to me, some of the disjointed messages, messages they're putting out there, it doesn't it doesn't make the fans just that much more embrace the organization. You know, we look at the biggest team of all and the biggest city in America, the Yankees, they're not immune to it either. I mean, looking at them, they're reported that they're operating on a budget because ownership has said that they suffered massive layoffs. And according to Forbes last year, they had the $220 million payroll. And in total revenue, the team made about a hundred, or excuse me, in total revenue, the team made about $683 million. And they also led an investment group that bought about 80% of Yes Network for a total of $3.47 billion. That's just crazy, Brandon. I mean, I guess they are the Yankees and it's that, you know, they're all a bunch of savages there anyway, but that's still just, just amazing when I look at it. I mean, we talked before about the, the luxury tax and, some teams like them, it, it means nothing to. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But, you know, with, with some of the uh, some of the players coming in and out, we uh, what, I know LeMahieu, there's so much talk about LeMahieu. I think he wants to stay with New York. But I can see why they might not bring back Tanaka because you were talking about that. Yeah, I saw this last night. And we get all you Yankee fans out there, I liked it on Twitter at the Sports Blitz 1. You feel free to give me a follow if you'd like this came from sn sny.com where they said the yankees may not bring back tanaka operating on a budget that looks like they might have to do that because they exercised a 13 million dollar option on zach Britton for next year and while they want to bring back lemayhew they're not certain that they will and if lemayhew leaves that leave a free 20 million dollars that they could use to go out and get a pitcher that includes Tanaka possibly bringing him back and maybe going out and getting a free agent, like maybe a Bauer or even a, even a Kluber. I was, I think you and I both were a little surprised that they kept Mr. Sanchez as their catcher. We, we thought he might be tendered or not receive a tendered uh, agreement last week, that he might not meet that non-tender deadline. So that happened. And, then also, I've read somebody else was re- recommending or suggesting, hey, you got Luke Voigt on first. He's a good guy and all that, but maybe he's some dollars you could shift somewhere else and we could put somebody else there at first. So I, I don't know. Uh, but I don't believe – Sanchez, I think, has some viability. You know, you were talking about the race a moment ago, and heaven knows there is a big gaping hole right there behind home plate. There is not – they don't have anybody. You know, I mean, there's nothing. So maybe – Sanchez or somebody else be, would be, 
to that. That's what's really interesting about this week. I mean, all of the winter meetings are virtual this year, but the hot stove is a cooking. Yeah, it's always cooking, and it feels like something's missing with, you know, winter meetings being virtual. It feels like it feels like, like nobody's invited. We're just hearing about these things. And oh, yeah. It, it, honestly, if I didn't know, I wouldn't know that it's going on. I know. In some ways, it's like the ball game that we are all invited to, but not really. You can watch it from outside. I, I feel like Zach Hanfel when he was out there at Salinger Field. You know, he's <laughs> a ball hawk just out there trying to catch a ball because – Really, he can't really see anything, but every now and then a ball pops up out of the field and he says, oh, look, you know, but as a as a fan and as somebody who wants to kind of cover what's going on with the hot stove, <laughs> we we may get a smattering of the grease that pops out of the hot, of the hot pan, but <laughs> that's about it. So I, I don't know. What, what are you finding out, man? I, give us a bit of news on the hot stove. What's cooking? At the time we're recording, this is what we've seen and... Honestly, just before we just started recording, there were reports of the Mets and catcher Brian McCann closing in on a four-year deal. So it looks like they may get a catcher, and who knows what that'll do with the JT Realmuto sweepstakes. I know a lot of people thought that he could wind up there in uh, in uh, the with the Mets. We also had yesterday Lance Lynn. He was traded from the Rangers to the White Sox, according to Jeff Passan, for pitchers Avery Weems and Dan. Dane Dunning. Speaking of the Rangers, they also had their new GM, Chris Young. He was a candidate for the Mets, but he wanted to stay close to home, so he's staying with the Rangers. And Adam Eaton, he returns to the White Sox on a one-year $7 million deal with a second-year team option for $8.5 million, according to Chuck Garfian. He played there from 2014 to 16 before being traded to Washington, where he won a World Series last year. And the White Sox could go after Michael Brantley, who hit over 300 each of the last three years, and Liam Hendricks, who received Cy Young votes as a closer. And they also reportedly had interest in Jock Peterson, according to Bob Nightingale. So White Sox looking to make some big moves and load up for next year. That would definitely be interesting. I'm curious to see where Michael Brantley got if he if that happens because the impact he can make with that bat is huge. Yeah, White Sox would be a team worth watching next year. I mean, we thought they would be really good this year, and they were, but they suffered that big disappointment in the the first round of the playoffs, along with the rest of that division. And speaking of the AL Central, going over to the Royals. Carlos Santana, he signed a two-year, $17.5 million dollar deal, according to John Heyman. And in 2019, he hit 33 homers, 93 RBIs with a 9.11 OPS. But he didn't have that great of a year, only hitting 199 in 2020. Some of the things as far as the hot stove, which I found interesting, because last week we talked about the non-tender deadline. Many of the people who were being considered, I think, to say, well, they're going to be non-tendered. They wound up signing agreements with the teams. A lot of them, you and I were talking about, some of them may have been not as much as they would get in normal years, and some of them were one-year-only contracts. And you know, part of that's for the COVID. And you and I talked, too, who is that one-year contract benefiting? Is it the player? Is it the team? I guess if a player potentially has any kind of injuries, it, it's it's a benefit for the team in a sense. But some of the players are probably getting a little better revenue or 
with a one-year agreement. I'm, I'm not sure. So we'll see how that plays out in 2021. Yeah, it, it really just seems like it depends on the situation. I mean, we really talked about it last week. You can go back and listen to it. We spent a few minutes on that, but it really seems like it just depends on the situation and what the player and team is in. So that was something, like I said, we looked at, and you were saying, right, last week. And this week, we're going to take a look at a slightly different kind of deadline, and that's the Rule 5 draft. That deadline's this week. That's not to be confused with the regular draft. But, Brandon, this, to me, it's something neat to know because you're, as you're watching a game, and every now and then you'll hear an announcer or speaker say, well, yeah, and, you know, he's he was selected as part of the Rule 5 draft. Or Rule 5. I'm like, what the God's green earth is the Rule 5 draft? I mean, okay, I, I have no idea. And one of the things I like about the Rule 5 is that is a great opportunity for minor leaguers on their affiliate team. And we'll tell you why here in just a second. Last year, there were only 15 players that were impacted by this. So it's not a big, big thing. It can be. Once... Rule 5 deadline passes, here's what happens. If there are players out there who are 18 years old or when they came on and since then they've had five years of service or when they came on was 19 years old and they had four years of service, they are eligible for this Rule 5 draft. Now, they cannot be on a 40-man roster. They basically still had to be at that minor league, Brandon. They have to have value to somebody (laughs) So I guess there's no reason to draft them at all. So there, there's not necessarily a whole lot of activity. I mean, if you look at only 15 people being chosen across 30 teams last year, that tells you something. And and who gets to pick? Well, it's it's like a lot of drafts. You know, if you were the worst last year, you're you're at the top. And if you're, if you, you know, and uh, Rays and Dodgers, you don't get a choice until whatever. But the worst teams get the first selections. And if they see somebody out there, one of those players who, in the minors, they can pick them up for $100,000. They have to pay the, the uh, major league $100,000 for the player. But this is why I also say it's a great deal for the minor leaguers who get brought up. They, meaning the team, must keep that man on their 26-man roster for a full season. And... To me, that is huge, man. There's, I've seen you and I have both seen. It seemed like where it's like guys must be like popcorn up and down and up and down, whether they're going to be in the majors or the minors and, and not staying there. But with this, they cannot be optioned and they can't be designated to the minors, Brandon. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. The one thing I have a question is, what if like they bring him up and you know he he was there on opening day and say around the all-star break midway point, they're like, all right, this guy kind of, he kind of sucks. Does he have to stay on the roster or is there a way for them to get rid of him? Well, they, they have to keep him there. I mean, that's pretty much it. However, they can basically, I guess they can, they can waive them or I, I even trade them. And if so, they on their team, they have to keep on the roster unless they want to do, you know, either trade or waive. Now, if they're traded, whichever team picks that person up, they're going to have to keep them for the rest of that remaining year. That Rule 5 draft sticks with them. So they still have that 26, excuse me, they still have that full season. Now, if they are waived and unclaimed, 
the original team can pick them up for 50000 say, hey, yeah, we'll take him back. And that also cancels the Rule 5, which gives them, meaning the original team who had the player, the ability to indeed send them back down to the minors if they choose to. This is I could have asked this a little bit earlier, but I want to let you keep going. If, say, I'm with the Rays and they don't put me on the 40-man roster and I'm in the Rule 5 draft, what happens if nobody picks me? Do I go back to the Rays or is it basically, oh, well, nobody wants you right now, so you're basically unemployed? You're basically unemployed if you were never picked in the first place. <laughs> I, I mean, and you got to think about it. Anybody who's has uh, five years of service in the minors hasn't been brought up. That's that's why you're not going to see a whole lot of picks there. If you see somebody, if you see a gem in the rough, you see somebody who's actually been through some player development and is starting to show some possibilities, yeah. And, again, you have to be a, a person who's going to select from that pot. You know, they can't have a 40-man roster. they got to have openings for this. So this, by no means, is the first choice for a lot of teams when they're looking for new talent. But it is a great opportunity for some uh, some players in the minors, but doesn't mean you're going to get picked just because you meet the criteria of how long you've been there. <laughs> so it's basically like those stories where all they really need is a shot and they get it, and some some guys will take advantage of it. Yeah, and you know the most I'd say the most notable or most successful Rule Five draft person is none other than Roberto Clemente. I know he was one, and I believe. Josh Hamilton was, yep. he was a rule five when the double Rays had him at the time. I believe he went to the Cubs. It was. Now you, you called it right. That's, that's exactly true. So there are success stories out there. You know, I mean, uh, there's going to be more in the future, but again, it's not a big deal during this hot stove week during, I should say it's not, during the, it's not going to be a big deal during the winter meetings, you know, you're good. The hot stove's got enough going on with free agents that are already out there. Some free agents from the, who were not tendered anything last week. I think teams will pick from those before they really are doing much for the rule five draft. So I'll be curious to, you know, report to you guys next week and see, you know, what, who, if anybody was selected from the rule five. I'm curious to see over the next few days, like we've talked about, you know, how finances, impact free agency will teams be thinking they'd rather build from the rule five draft and get a couple of guys from there or rather, you know, save a few hundred thousand dollars and maybe go pick up a lower end free agent. You know, if they're trying to save money these days and they think they can actually build somebody, I could see where they would wait. I mean, I could see rather where they might pull from rule five. That, you know, that's what we just looked earlier as far as saying what was revenue like in 2018, what was it like in 2019. I think it's also going to be interesting looking 2021 and 2022, what changes we saw, how things happened with the Rule 5 draft, who was tendered, who wasn't. And another big thing I haven't even talked about at all, and that is the contract between the Players Association and MLB. You know, that's something that's still being hacked and batted back and forth between and. Yeah, I don't know what, if anything's happening, and I'm sure conversations are still going on. And with the winter meetings right now, you've got all of those owners together in a virtual room, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm sure they're they're coming up with the things that they would like to see and not see in the next agreement. 
And I'm Tony Clark from the Players Association is going to be one busy man. Yeah, as smooth as the negotiations went to get this season done, I'm, I'd love to be a fly on the the Zoom conference room listening to that negotiation. That I'm sure that's a doozy. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, in, in 2021, but the hot stove's popping. And, Brandon, what's what's looking on the pulse here? What's on the ticker? Anything new uh, we're seeing? It's nothing really big a whole lot right now. It's still somewhat developing, but according to SNY.com, the Mets are engaged with free agent center fielder George Springer. And, of course, he was one of the big-name <laughs> free agents out there. So Mets look like they're making their moves. Well, I'd like to go ahead and, and take a look and give a glimmer of positivity and hope to everybody. One thing is, Brandon and I talked about this before, we'd love to see MLB open up the books to the public. But, uh, that's like trying to get some politicians to do it. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but the thing of it is, uh, looking at the Atlanta Braves, they are actually a publicly traded team. That didn't realize that at first. They're, if you're looking on the stock exchange, it's B-A-T-R-K. That is their symbol. It's B-A-T-R-K. And the last December, looking at their stock, per share it had a value of $29.90. Eh, you know, most people could shell out a few dollars to get themselves a share or a few or two. But from February to March, that plummeted. That stock plummeted from twenty nine ninety to its lowest on March 18th with a value of $13.47. So it lost more than 50% of its value. Bam. But as a team, you know, moved into the postseason, the stock kind of rose a little bit and continued to rise. And let's see, as the most recent number, I'm looking at December 7th data. The stock for the Atlanta Braves is made its way back up to $27 per share. So from a stock that was $13.47 back in March and now back up to $27, I'd say the Atlanta Braves, I would say that there's a lot of people who see a good future for that team and possibly the entire league. Yeah, it's good to see that, you know, of course, you know, everything plummeted, went into the, down the drain in the beginning of the year. Hopefully that, as we see with these shares, it's a sign that, you know, hopefully we're on the up and up and almost back to our normal, so to speak. Yeah, it's something we're all looking forward to. I know you're covering a lot of this, too, on Twitter. You can, by the way, you can find... Uh, Baseball Biz on at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. And, and what are you doing, Brandon? Uh, what's, hap what's happening with Sports Blitz? We don't have our own podcast right now, but, you know, we sort of, you know, we kind of cover all the sports. And, you know, I, I could be better putting it out there more, which I plan on doing more with free time. And especially with the NFL playoffs coming up and we got the NHL starting up soon in about a month. So, Look forward to talking about that as everything really heats up again. Yeah, if folks, if you haven't paid attention, that's a good place to start. At the Sports Blitz 1, that's the numeric one, where you can follow Brandon and see what's going on in the world above and beyond baseball as well. And uh, he covers baseball there. But also you can find both of us at the Baseball Biz on Twitter as well. We welcome all of your, anything that you, you have to say to us there. Brandon, do you have any uh, final words you want to share with our folks? Oh, uh, yeah, I actually do. And, 
you know, not only give us a follow, but also wherever you listen, maybe give us a follow on there, the show itself, rate the show and, and leave a comment and tell us what you think. Yeah, we love to hear from you guys, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this show. It's been exciting, as always, to spend some time with you guys during the winter meetings, the virtual <laughs> winter meetings, and we will virtually be back next week. But, Brandon, thanks again, buddy. I appreciate you being here this week. Well, thank you. I appreciate you letting me come back on. Okay, thank you, Brandon. And next week, we'll have some more entertaining news for you with baseball and the business, of course. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Tech RUX for the music rocking forward. And for our associate producer, Christina Ussie.